Good day. This is Michael Muth of Going Global International Interviews. Today we're speaking with John Janowick, the Managing Director of the International Engineering Consortium. Uh, for more information on them, you can find it at IEC.org. Um, for an edited transcript of this interview, you can find them either at intlalliances.com or at midwestbusiness.com. Hopefully, we are recording. <laughs> so, um, assuming we know what the IEC is all about, when did the IEC become international? We became international on the 50th anniversary in 1994. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a, uh, really the elective uh, uh, work between our board of directors and a number of uh, industry members. Through us to that conclusion. Um, and we have a retreat to get that point. And this is the 60th anniversary, and we're actually doing the same thing again this fall. We're gathering industry perspectives from people we value, uh, their experience in the industry, and several of our directors are going off and having a retreat to look at how we've been doing the last 10 years. And, and Okay. And when you say international, is that simply the name change, or how did things change operationally to become international? No, it was, well, it was the organization had three names. Mm -hmm. The first is National Electronics Conference, NEC, mm -hmm. and that was uh, the initial um, um, focus of the organization was to produce an uh, electronics conference here in the Midwest to keep technology, the electronics technology base that was developed in the World War here in the Midwest, mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, uh, from an industry perspective, but also as well as from an academic perspective. The universities were doing a lot of that electronics development for the war. Uh, there were Chicago, Western, Illinois, all in major roles in developing electronics technology for the war. And they established the, the NEC, the National Electronics Conference, to really stabilize and continue the development of, of that technology in the, in the Midwest region. We then became the National Engineering Consortium, which broadened uh, our scope a bit. Uh, and that uh, happened when the National Electronics Conference was um, uh, basically disbanded and that was uh, a decision by the board when it was clear that uh, electronics was going down three different markets, uh, three different you know, segments becoming three different markets, like computer, uh, consumer, and communication. And so the board um, decided at that point to go down the communication segment and we've been serving the communications industry exclusively uh, from basically the late 60s until the uh, early 90s. And, um, and in the early 90s, we began to serve also uh, the design engineering um, uh, and you know, community, which is uh, semiconductor design, uh, DGA design. So, mm -hmm. So our two major industry focuses now are, are basically uh, communications and design engineering. Mm -hmm. um, when we went international, uh, we were very conservative in terms of not just 
going out and saying we're going to do events, we're going to, we're going to uh, um, begin providing all these services. We did it strategically. We began to uh, establish relationships with senior executives abroad. Uh, we began to add executives to our board of directors uh, uh, from uh, uh, Europe, and we focused in on Europe first. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, began then to establish our university uh, community in Europe, and so we have uh, a number of schools that we serve in Europe now, uh, along with uh, uh, really a, a great line up of educational initiatives there. Mm-hmm. And um, we also, for many years before we had educational activities in Europe, we were bringing the academics from Europe to the U.S. So Europe was our first teach at U.S., I may say. This last year, or this year actually, really marks our entry into Asia, uh, which uh, we began with the uh, with the support of KP and uh, NTV and all the major carriers and, uh, and, and throughout Asia and China and uh, uh, but uh, we've been, I've been personally serving on the Pacific Coast Communication Council Board director uh, mm-hmm. so um, I joined that board just after we became international to, um, to expand our relationships in that region mm-hmm. and so we're now in the process of any universities in Asia um, our university criteria is that uh, schools have to be, in this country, uh, even uh, accredited research at one university. So mm-hmm. it's very easy in the U.S. to qualify a university as a member of IEC. Mm-hmm. But in the, as you get into other regions and other countries, that standard isn't there particularly. Uh, so what we do is really meet with executives and, uh, and their university relations groups to identify the leading technical uh, universities or institutes that um, are serving primarily the market set uh, in the business that we provide education to, again, mm-hmm. the communications industry and the design engineering industry. So uh, we rely heavily upon uh, the goodwill and, and, and guidance of executives in different parts of the world for those relations. Okay. Um, is there any way to estimate which of your constituencies, in other words, academic, industries, or students, is the most international? And we're trying to determine how international is the IEC. Well, we have um, we have a couple of service programs. One, we um, we have uh, educational um, forums and. Mm-hmm. Uh, in large trade events. Uh, those uh, serve both industry and academia. We have a program that um, companies contribute uh, annually to the uh, fund, um, mm-hmm. and those funds are used for grants for uh, professors and students to come to our events. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that, that program allows on an annual basis anywhere between uh, 300 to 500 uh, academics or leading students, who are grant students, come to one of our events in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And so, 
uh, that's one way that we can serve uh, you know, the uh, academic community. Mm-hmm. Um, we do research and publication, uh, mm-hmm. extensive libraries of, of uh, um, in-depth analysis on technology. Mm-hmm. Um, those are distributed throughout industry for fees, but also provided uh, to universities complementary for adjunct material or even textbook uh, uh, supplements mm-hmm. and, and uh, course curriculum supplements. So um, we're very much plugged into academia and deliberate content. Our web uh, education, which is um, probably one of the most used websites in, in, in engineering, uh, we have, I uh, just wanted to see, uh, uh, I mean, 400,000 registered users, I guess we just took out 450,000. So, we, uh, we, and that, that is worldwide, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, is only the, I think the third, um, in terms of marketplace on that. So, we going to? Uh, India is number one. <laughs> Which may not surprise the readers. Right, yeah. And better for worse. And uh, uh, Asia Pack. Mm-hmm. And uh, we break India out of Asia Pack. And mm-hmm. so. Um, and China is substantial. Um, uh, U.S. and Europe are substantial too. Um, but that, uh, again, is a mixture of academia and industry, primarily industry, though. Do you have any idea the percentage of the 450,000 that comes from India, Asia, Pac, just to put a number on it? Uh, I'm sure my people do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Any feel for how many international folks are coming to the states, or you know, people who yeah cross uh, borders to be in these things. Uh, in Europe, obviously, they cross a lot of borders to do mm-hmm. it. Um, uh, traditionally, um, the program that we have does not cover travel. Um, mm-hmm. uh, okay. The reason we do that is so that we can get uh, more grants per year. Um, so we, we try to have universities into the program by paying for the travel mm-hmm. of the academic and then therefore we can influence more academics and help them more get more reach into the school. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, uh, you don't see much of academics coming, you know, across mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that there are ample speaking opportunities at a lot of your events as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of Europeans going to the States, Americans going to yeah. Europe and Asia? Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, we, we, we try to cross-pollinate uh, a certain percentage of our programs that way. Mm-hmm. Because the true value when we see brings to, um, to these uh, you know, communities, to the to, to, whole area of communications and design engineering mm-hmm. is the ability to share ideas from and perspectives from different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there's certainly um, some core strengths and attributes that are um, 
know, more advanced in certain regions than others, um, depending upon the industry. Like for instance, I'll give you an example. In in Europe, mm-hmm. in the design engineering area, mm-hmm. the core competency there is communications design and automotive. And if you think about it, uh, what do you mean specifically by communications design and automotive? In other words, the, the, the components, the, the semiconductor components into those two industries, mm-hmm. uh, that design work is much more advanced in, in Europe than it is mm-hmm. in any other part of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, and that goes hand in hand with the, those being the core strengths of, of um, the industries in, in those regions. I mean, the leading uh, auto manufacturers are. Um, European um, for for advanced design systems mm-hmm. and, and advanced automotive systems. Some of the BMWs, Mercedes Benz, um, Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and you know they they're pushing the envelope on on really all the um, really systems on ships and and all the micro devices that are making making uh, those products a reality. Mm-hmm. So, You've even seen something that come up with Volkswagen cars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really, and it, it's interesting, I was a Texas in Munich, and, and, and I guess over the last five years, the automotive design uh, has been cited as the fastest um, growing. Uh, and if you think about it, think about how much cars have changed in the last five years. True to me. I mean, you know, they all are getting the GPS and the OLTD TVs and, and just the safety uh, systems that are now going into these cars and the computer systems that are going into these cars. It's fascinating. True. Yeah, yeah. It's come a long way. Yeah. Um, okay, moving right along. Getting back to um, your constituency. 16 of your 74 university affiliates appear to come from outside of the United States. How have you recruited them? Through executives and their their companies identifying um, what universities are leading, uh, you know, in in both communications, education, and research, and Mm -hmm. design engineering and education research. So, like I said, we we rely heavily upon the the corporations to get that information. And is it typically schools they recruit from? Schools? I mean, how do you normally it's normally the schools that they have a professional relationship with? Uh, okay. Either they're doing research together, or there's um, uh, some funding mechanisms that are in place where uh, corporations are um, you know, providing uh, resources to the universities. You know, so there's generally a relationship already established, and then what we do is we try to. Uh, at a high level, going and, and uh, work with the university and mm-hmm. establish a relationship where you see, and then um, begin to provide them our benefits. Mm-hmm. There's no cost for the university to be involved with us. They just have to meet, have to meet mm-hmm. certain criteria. If it's in the States, it's, it's very easy. We have to mm-hmm. meet that to kind of set that criteria. But internationally, it's really the direction. And you, if you've been around a country, let's say, like Germany, you know, um, 
when you look at the, uh, the list, it's very exclusive. So sure. the board is extremely, extremely careful about who they add to the list and who is indoctrinated into the IEC fellow category. The likes of Gordon Moore and, and uh, Dave Packard and uh, Bob Jalvin. It's really that sort of luminary that, that reaches that, that level of stature. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I believe it's to the European equivalent that uh, very well may call for that. As a matter of fact, um, the nominating committee is, is asked me uh, to work with uh, executives just as we do in establishing our university relations abroad. Mm-hmm. to begin to really seek out uh, additional fellows, and not only in Europe, but also in Asia. Mm-hmm. So I think over the next, you know, five, ten years, we'll see that, that dimension which is going to change quite a bit. But uh-huh. again, this organization is 60 years old, and, and it's, uh, it's really a, um, uh, a very well-known, well-recognized uh, within, within the technical community and within the engineering community mm-hmm. as the premier organization. And so mm-hmm. they're very careful about, you know, uh, taking the right steps and, and taking it at the right speed. So that's really, you know, all the things is, is, you know, numbers, like how many. And a lot of times we're on the like, traditional organizations where we won't say, you know, was that event successful? Yeah, because we had X number of people. It's more like quality. That's all that. Two things have become a little bit apparent. Number one, the IEC is always referred to as an organization, but in some ways it appears as if it's like a trade association. How is it different? The IEC is really an industry. That's the way I look at it. It's a platform for the industry. Mm-hmm. And that um, we have. Um, uh, you know, put in place educational programs and services that serve both industry and academia. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, what we are is we're, we're an industry service organization that uh, is guided by uh, what the industry tells us to do and, mm-hmm. uh, and what we feel is academia. Uh, we also run the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department Association here in the U.S. And through that, we have 300 universities that, that we're listening to. And so we hear what the needs are on, in terms of academia, funding issues, curriculum issues. And so what we, uh, we have, there's an enormous link into uh, industry, and academia. So uh, I, I don't look at, look at it as a traditional trade association. We're really going to have to set up on for uh, industry and academia for the rest. Okay. And you've referenced Europe is where we started internationally. You're moving into Asia. It didn't appear as if you've held any conferences or events in Latin America Australia. No. No. Yeah. Is that in the plan in the future? Yes. Any idea how far off? Probably within the next uh, three to five years. Okay. So nothing that you're working on imminently right now. We are working on something for South America. 
but nothing you can talk about. Yeah, there's people people down there, there's money down there. Well, uh, no, there's a need down there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a true need uh, in that region for the type of education that we can provide. And, and we're seeing it. Uh, uh, we've, we've watched the trends in terms of uh, you know what our, what our websites are doing in terms of what, uh, what content is being used and what regions of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so we know that subjects are important for different regions of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a great need in South America for information. Just as there is in China and other parts of Asia. I mean, uh, um, and that's really, this is what we see has been, uh, you know, we started as an educational organization in 1944, you know, for its quality. And that's kind of the thread that's you know, going through the organization the whole time. Mm-hmm. That we're really seen as the premier educational organization. Okay. Um, now you organize a lot of conferences in Europe, starting in Asia, mm-hmm. but they're different elsewhere. What problems do you run into in Europe, in Asia, in organizing these things? I don't think there's problems. I'd say each market requires uh, um, its own special. Um, care, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, you know, when you, when you start doing work in different regions, there's, uh, you know, different protocols, there's different, um, what protocols? Well, um, and in Asia, just, uh, uh, the whole, uh, uh, food and beverage or an event is different than, than you would have a traditional event in, say, Europe or in the U.S. Um, well, in other words, well, well, it's no, well, it's 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 well, a significant um, open ceremony in Korea, and um, mm-hmm. where we had the traditional dancers and performers, and, and, and then it was important to have uh, the minister mm-hmm. uh, there and, and to open and welcome uh, the organization. Those things are not less prominent here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's just, you know, and, and actually it adds to the uh, entire experience when you do have those in the region mm-hmm. uh, traditions or protocols or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I know uh, people from outside the region that were in this building that we just had told were just, you know, felt very welcome after, after the ceremony. I mean, and they say there was a connection that was established between uh, between what their culture was and, and what the visitors were experiencing. So mm-hmm. uh, it was very, very, it was all moving. Well, that you have to pay attention to the details. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, one of those international telecom shows of which I'm aware is Supercom. What's your role there? Uh, we, uh, I, 
uh, one of our primary roles is to develop the education for the mm -hmm. which uh, um, is a massive undertaking. I think we have over 500 speakers um, that uh, span four days. Uh, so we mm -hmm. all of the conferences and seminars that are going along with the exhibit time are all yours. I actually produce those. Okay. And um, uh, there are additional meetings that go on. Some of the associations have some membership meetings. The visual education programs are developed by IEP. We also uh, play a major role in the um, uh, special features of Supercon, um, mm -hmm. such as the the exhibit floor demonstrations, um, the fun super demos. We, we help organize those. Have um, some of those ended up on your website? Because I've seen there are features, virtual exhibits. No, that's a separate online product. No, if anything, those would be featured on the SuperCon site. The official SuperCon product. We also do a good portion of attendance marketing, and we do a lot of database management as well. And I sit on the executive committee for SuperCon. And how much longer is it going to stay in Chicago? Uh, good question. I think we've got to, um, I'd have to, I'd have to get better details on that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's two more years, but uh, I need it better to be accurate. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys can get back to me on that. Yeah. Um, we'll let you know that I'm talking about. Would you like me to uh, yeah, yeah. And while we're on the subject of conferences and those kinds of things, my personal impression is participation by both exhibitors and attendees has dropped off at a lot of these kinds of events. Have you seen that? And even further, have you seen that internationally as well? Um, I would say overall in the technology space, and, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you have you have a, uh, a drought. I mean, mm -hmm. um, you know, there was uh, I would say a uh, in this country, you know, uh, kind of a, a balancing effect after the uh, you know the dot com crash. Mm -hmm. So I think the I think things have stabilized and things are kind of moving in a positive direction again. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, uh, it's been, um, on the international side, um, uh, it has been, it's been more stable. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and uh, even actually a little bit faster of a trend. I mean, I think this take the internet has provided another information gathering vehicle to people who've seen for trade shows. Right. And I think that's part of the reason they've fallen off here. Mm -hmm. And I think the internet is quite a problem in some other places, in some places it's more prevalent. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of the rest of the world values personal relationships more than we do. That's true. And so therefore, you know, it remains stronger in some other places. But 
I'm just curious about your viewpoint having seen them from a lot of places lately. Um, okay, online education. Can you see what percentage of your users use, or what percentage of your users are international who use your online education? I can get that for you. And same thing with communications technology program. There's a new certification, I believe. That's why it has not worked out. That, um, that was a pay of a, um, an individual user paying for mm -hmm. a certification. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think the model of, uh, of a user paying for um, educational services on the Internet mm -hmm. is not taken on. So okay. uh, the model that works, the model that we find that works, is mm -hmm. that uh, you have you provide the content free to the user, mm -hmm. and you have uh, you know, some other funding mechanisms like advertising and corporate sponsorship. Or, or so mm -hmm. the content we find that the if you charge for the content on the web, from the subject model. So does the communications technology program still exist, and there's a different funding mechanism? Or doesn't even exist to offer the reading Um And I am, I'm in the online education section of your website, under virtual exhibits, I saw the organization VTE. Mm -hmm. They're not known here at all in the States. And I'm just wondering, how did they get in there with all the other telecom heavyweights? Well, they're the second largest manufacturer of telecommunications equipment in China. Okay. There's two companies, there's Huawei and GP and uh, the number two. Mm-hmm. You can't know what they are, it's not policy. I was going to say, there's all my self-parade, like, I mean, you got something to talk about. Yeah. Well, let's go through a couple of these questions. I mean, they're a significant worldwide player. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, they are exhibiting in our program coming up do something in Venice. Because they're they're aggressively going after the European market. Huawei and CPR. The two leading Chinese manufacturers are including AHL in Europe. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, I get just a couple other quick questions and we have to wrap it up. Given your conferences and education publications, do you localize any of that at all? In other words, yeah, we, into foreign yeah, we've done some in Chinese. Okay. Uh, working with uh, University in China. Mm -hmm. So um, would you outsource it to them to do it for you? Or no, we, we actually worked with uh, all the big ten engineering schools and took uh, a lot of our basics of communication courses and mm -hmm. we translated them into Chinese and, and provided uh, uh, that to the university and the university kind of decided uh, throughout uh, their community. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we, um, we had some modest translating, uh, you know, we did simultaneous translation in um, some of our programs. But, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of it actually has to do with the Chinese, you know, um, mm -hmm. where they're, not, they're, they're less advanced in English than, than most of the uh, most of the countries that, that we're working with. I understand. Yeah. Um, would you mind answering some of the rest of these questions via email? 
And if I've got any other further questions, sure, we can do it that way. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's always better if we can do it face to face yeah. because yeah. I can ask follow-on questions and so yeah. on. I can, I can see a few more slides we can get through it. I mean, we've still got a certain number of other things that I wanted to ask. Uh, let me see if I can hit some of the more important ones. Um, Financially, do you bill in U.S. dollars everywhere you go, or euros? Um, do they work in the currency of the country? Okay. Um, How do you hedge against exchange rate fluctuations there? No. Ooh, that much risk for you, or no? I mean, uh, um, sure, I didn't do it. We like to. We like to. A couple things to the future. Any thoughts to take the Enterprise Communications Consortium International? Yeah. Time frame? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that. Uh, we're putting a lot of resources into it. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're having the ECC super council with the first step. Sure. Um, I agree. And uh, uh, plus, uh, um, I think I have to have a registration report and add that to that. But um, yeah, it, I think frankly, we're live. It's took IEC 50 years ago at a national. I won't take ECC that long. Given all you do internationally, have you thought about opening a whole branch, office, representative, thing like that? Yeah, we've thought about it. Um, uh, it's, you know, it's an interesting uh, question. Mm -hmm. the, the major uh, factor is cost. Sure. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting um, having an international perspective and coming to a region mm -hmm. and not having an in-country office has an advantage in terms of uh, bringing fresh ideas and bringing um, you know relevant contacts and, and uh, I'll give you an example I was in uh, meeting with the president of and he thanked me because I introduced him to uh, someone from Tokyo about a year earlier than he just recently joined the board. So, you know, it's that sort of thing where if, if I had an in-country person in Japan that just stayed in Japan, that, that we wouldn't be able to have that sort of international networking. True. And so, um, it, was, it would happen so much during the event that we're real good at bringing the executives together and, and, uh, and um, you know, companies together. Okay. Um, do you speak foreign languages? Me? Yes. Well, you have to speak some, some phrases when you're in each country. So, mm -hmm. basically, you learn uh, some of the key words and, and again, uh, you learn the protocol of the, mm -hmm. of the culture to ensure that you um, represent, you know, not only the organization, but yourself in a professional way. How do you learn the protocol? In which you haven't been there before? Um, 